Attention, attention all personnel, it's MASHCAST! Hello and welcome to MASHCAST, the show that analyzes and celebrates, episode by episode, the greatest TV series of all time, MASH, which aired on CBS from 1972 to 1983. Proud member of the Fire & Water Podcast Network, I'm your host, General Robert Iron Guts Kelly, and joining us this week in the VIP tent is Captain Tim Price. Hi, Tim! Hello, how are you doing, General? <laughs> I am back on... The- Glad to be back on at the Fightin' 4077th. <laughs> I am very happy to have you back. Now, you weren't on last season, but you're on season three. So I believe when you were on season three, you were a lieutenant. So I think in the two years, you've, you've risen, 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 I can't believe I just said that, risen in rank to captain. If Rosen, if Rosen is not a word, it should be. I'll just put that out there. I appreciate the support. <laughs> so uh, thank you so much for coming back. It is my pleasure. You know, I've, I've loved MASH, and I, I've really enjoyed your show. and. It's been so great to revisit it after all this time. It's been a long time since I rewatched it from beginning to end. And so this has been a great excuse to do so. I think I'm sure I said this the last time I was on and I don't care. It's, it's, it's been great. It's been so much fun. Um, and I spent a good part of my day today. I haven't finished it yet listening to you interview Jamie Farr and that's just been magical. So, uh, you know, I'm so happy for you to get these interviews with these people on the show because it's been and it's been a joy just to hear them uh, and talking with you about the show and their memories and things. It's uh, just been beautiful. So thank you for all that. I love it. Well, thank you very much. As as I've been, you know, we talked about it a little bit off air and I've told other people, it really is kind of a surreal experience to be sort of face to face with some of these people and to hear those voices that are so familiar, like say my name. That's just so yes. strange to hear, mm-hmm. to hear Corporal Klinger say Rob is just like, oh, he's, come, uh, huh? what? Uh, <laughs> you know, it's just kind of amazing. So, uh, yeah, I feel very, very fortunate that I've had a chance to, to do it. And, and, and it, you know, it's sort of funny. I, I take, you know, breaks in between the seasons and, and I know that I, and I want to get back to the show. And then the minute, like I put MASH aside for a little bit and then when I get back mm. into it, I get super excited. You know what I mean? Like I hadn't, oh, nice. I haven't really, mm-hmm. I hadn't really thought about like watched MASH or done anything with it for like most of the winter. And then I started gearing up for the Jamie Farr interview and then these episodes. And then I was like, oh man, yeah, I'm right back. <laughs> I'm super back into it. So <laughs> I'm very happy to be back uh, for season five. There's a bunch of great shows to talk about like this one. Good segue. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, nice. <laughs> season. I'm a professional. Season five, episode two. Margaret's Engagement, the original air date was September 28th, 1976, written by Gary Markowitz and directed by Alan Alda. Like so we said, Tim, you've been on the show already, so let's get right to the episode. Margaret calls Colonel Potter from Tokyo, where even though it's early in the morning, she's still at a raucous party. She promises that she has big news, which she'll reveal when she gets back to camp. The doctors discuss it during surgery, and Frank insists it'll be a promotion for him. The next day, Margaret returns with her news. She's engaged. She shows off her ring and the photo of her husband-to-be, Lieutenant Colonel Donald Penobscot of West Point. Margaret also has a medical report to deliver, and Colonel Potter calls a staff meeting in the mess tent. At the end of the meeting, she tells Frank the news. Hawkeye, BJ, Potter, and Radar tense up, preparing for Frank to explode, but he surprises them. He's gracious, kind, and congratulates Margaret. As the doctors stand there, stunned, Frank walks off, ripping the doors off the mess tent as he leaves. Uh Uh-oh. Afterwards, Frank appears to be normal, but little things slip out. All of a sudden, he laughs heartily at Hawkeye's jokes and is deliberately kind to Radar. Things get worse when he accidentally stabs Margaret during surgery. That night, Frank comes to visit Margaret in her tent. Things go okay at first, but then Frank loses it and practically attacks Margaret. She slaps him silly, calling him a coward. Frank, enraged at being called such, storms out. 
In the middle of the night, we see Frank dressed in fatigues, armed with a rifle. In a moment of idiotic bravado, he pulls the pin on a grenade, scrambling to find it on the floor after, after he realizes what he's done. Hawk and BJ lay asleep just a few feet away. The next morning, Hawk and BJ are troubled to find Frank gone, and even more troubled when they see he took his gun and his toothbrush. Shooting his mouth off again, BJ offers. They then, see Frank, they then all see Frank march into camp with war prisoners, actually a Korean family, including small children and their ox. Potter has had enough, and he orders Frank to his office. Hawkeye, BJ, and the colonel try and talk Frank down, but he won't listen. He's testy and wired, pacing back and forth. He gets mad when Potter mentions Frank is headed for a Section 8, but a radar comes in at the right moment to tell him there's a call from Frank's mom. Frank takes the call, and he breaks down in tears, telling his mother about what's happened. His exhaustion finally catches up with him, and he passes out right there on the phone. Hawkeye and BJ carry him back to the swamp. The next day, Margaret is still going on loudly about her dashing Colonel Penobscot. The doctors sit down next to her, and Frank asks Hawkeye about going out on a double date that night. When Frank mentions what nurse he's interested in, Margaret sneers and says, isn't she a little young for you? Frank retorts with, I don't know, I thought a little youth would be good for a change. Hawkeye and BJ sit in wide-eyed horror until Margaret gets up and leaves. Then they and Frank have a big laugh together. A rare event indeed. All righty, Tim. Uh, I mean, we're going to go through it scene by scene in a moment. What is your overall feelings about this episode? Well, first off, I want to thank you for letting me be on the show for this episode. Because uh, I, I gave you my list of episodes that I had in mind. And you know me, I tend to gravitate towards when the secondary characters get more of a limelight. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know what that says about my self-esteem that I associate more with and I identify more with the secondary characters than the primary characters sometimes. But, you know, it's like Klinger and, and uh, Father Mulcahy, you know, I love them so much. Uh, but this episode is fascinating as a turning point in its, and by its title, it's Margaret's turning point because it's Margaret's engagement. And yet somehow it was wonderful rewatching this episode to see how much of this is a Frank arc oh, from totally, beginning yeah. to end. It's a total dramatic arc from him. And he goes through like a five stages of grief <laughs> in the second half of the episode. <laughs> Not even the full episode, you know, because he gets the news just before the first commercial break, and he has the second half of the episode, 10 minutes to go through the five stages of grief. It is fascinating. That's just good writing. Exactly. Oh, man, it's just amazing. Um, And, you know, on the flip side, it's like also Loretta Swit is just glowing through this whole episode. Her smile can light up the whole Northern Korea hemisphere almost from that, from in every scene that she's in and her happiness and bubbliness and it's almost infectious except for you seeing like you have you just that it's like clueless you know <laughs> happiness about because you know there's somebody that you haven't talked to about what this really means uh and how this how this would make him feel um and it just one thing is i've frank i've made no secret that i don't like frank <clears throat> i've never liked frank and it's not even like i'd like to hate him i just don't like him period and you know it's that's a challenging role that larry linville's been played and on the watching along with the with the podcast this time it's been really great to appreciate larry linville's craft and work as an actor because he puts his heart into this character he really you know does everything he can with him and it shows in this episode especially i mean he just knocks out of the park with giving you you know grief uh anger uh support affection 
Um, denial. He goes through denial. denial. Yeah. All, all these things, all these things that he goes through. Bargaining. Um, he and, does bargaining too. He, yeah. And it's like not even the stages of grief, but just like the emotional range that he goes through in this episode um, and, and sells it really and really makes it sincere. You know, there's things that his sincerity is through the roof um, in all these parts. In addition to still showing why Frank is a weasel. <laughs> along the way <laughs> you still know that he's a needle nose weasel uh so if this is a you know it's a turning point in margaret's long-term character development and as well as introducing the the myth the mythos of donald penobscot <laughs> who is going to be a presence in the show while not part of the show uh but just it was in a in capsule of this one episode it's larry linfield's tour de force and i you know and I, Hats off to him for doing such a great job with a with a with a very short very short period time to do it in. Absolutely, it kind of reminds me a bit about of um, the episode in season four that I that I love. The more I see you, where Hawkeye uh, re- reconnects with his old flame, Carly Breslin, and even mm. though that is a Hawkeye episode, and it you know Hawkeye is dominates the episode, it features to me one of the best BJ scenes. Uh, of the entire series and i feel that way here that this is clearly a margaret episode it's her change is what's driving the plot but this features and we'll get to it uh when we when we go through the the scenes it features in my opinion frank's best scene ever uh Mm. character uh and so to me that is just good writing i mentioned this was written by gary markowitz who had already had some previous credits uh, to mash uh, he was not a staff writer. I think he was like a freelancer. And I assume that this episode at the very least was given somewhat of a, maybe not a rewrite, but, but certainly a polish by the staff writers, because this is, it, this feels like a show written by people that have been writing these characters for five years. Uh, it's kind of mm-hmm. amazing that almost a freelancer could come in and, and deliver this so well. Now, maybe he did, maybe Gary Markowitz was just that good, but this, I, I, I just, the, the fact that, that, um, as you mentioned, Frank gets so much meaty stuff. Larry Linville gets so much meaty stuff to sink his teeth into. And we get to see a side of Frank that we will, re- we've only really ever seen one other time. Uh, and mm. in, a, in a Margaret episode is just really amazing. So yeah, it's, it's a really, really solid show. And like I said uh, previous uh, last week about, it feels a little like that season four, Loretta Swit kind of got the short shrift because she was off doing, uh, plays. I mean, she just was yes, not available. Yes. It wasn't really the show's fault and it wasn't really her fault. It was just, and, and, you know, all credit to them for kind of allowing one of their cast to go off and do this. Um, but she nevertheless missed out on a lot of great shows. And so I felt like they're almost making it up to her for this season. It's like, mm. okay, we're going to yeah, give yeah. her a big arc and she's going to dominate a lot of these episodes. And this one, as you say, Loretta Swit is beaming. When she comes back. Yes. Uh, and we'll get to that in a moment. So the opening scene of the show is Radar getting some coffee for Colonel Potter. And uh, he gets milk in his coffee from a local goat that they, uh, <laughs> they literally squeeze some, some milk out and put, him in the, put it in the, the, the coffee cup. I don't know how so sterile cute. that so is. Cute. No, it's definitely not. Does, does it milk need <laughs> There's to be no pasteurization going yeah, on no there. pasteurization? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe they've established that the goat is you know healthy but i don't know if i would want to drink i don't know i'm not a farmer maybe i don't know if i'd want to drink well, milk right from the tap as it were right well and remember radar is a farmer he does come from that background yeah, that's and, a good point and colonel potter is an old horseman so he probably does not shy away from natural 
yeah. milk, shall we say? There you go. Uh, That's reasonable. Yeah, yeah. So I, 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 I totally bought it as uh, I didn't really think about it too much because, like, yeah, you just, and also, you know, where else are you going to get fresh milk in this? In That's Korea? yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> Either that or powdered. So what are you going to do? Right, so right. Uh, then Colonel Potter gets the phone call from Margaret, who, as you talk about, is absolutely beaming. Uh, this great little set of her in some sort of Tokyo bar. And she's screaming because it's so loud. And uh, the, there's this great where she talks about that she made the, she has these she's filed this report, and then uh, she talks about that she's got this you know this huge great news. And then she mentions that she's with uh, General Tumwater, and Potter of course knows him. Trevanian Tumwater, worst toupee in the Asian theater of operations. And then we get to see <laughs> said toupee. And it really does look like something you'd see on like a Sizzler salad bar. I mean, it is just, you can't believe that mm-hmm. any man walks around thinking that he's fooled by that. And it's just a perfect, uh, perfect staging is that he comes in right as we hear Potter say, worst to pay in the Asian theater. And of course that makes Margaret laugh uncontrollably because it does look so bad. And it's just a, it's a great scene that we get to see this guy with this. And then, then, then when Potter says, it must be a pretty big deal of old throw rug is there. <laughs> it's just. <laughs> <laughs> So oh yeah, I love all that. Yeah, the, the as you said before, we, we're going to gush about the writing on this episode quite a bit. They're always good with wordplay with the mash writing, um, and this just this the timing in this one and and the little offhand old throw rug. It's like, yeah, you know, Potter and the other colonels and generals have called him that behind his back plenty yep. of times. Yep, yep, it's yep. it's a comfortable nickname. It it's partly endearing, but it's like they wouldn't say it. they wouldn't tell it to his face because they know it embarrasses him. <laughs> I, I, I love that. Um, now was he, is he played by Roy Goldman? I couldn't find any other credit for someone in the episode, and that's the only other credit. No, that actor's uncredited. I guess because he doesn't actually get a line. Shame. Uh, but mm-hmm. no, yeah, we don't know who Trevanian somewhere is. Unfortunately, and it's a it's a shame because it, it's a his his face and his his physical acting sells it. Yes. That he's like, oh yeah, Margaret, here's your drink, honey. And you see that he's pie eyed. You can tell he's totally. Yeah, he's yeah, he's totally oh, yeah. in the tank right now. Yeah, yeah, they're all just drinking very heavily. So it's it's good. I'm sure I don't know. Again, I don't know that actor, but I I am guarantee that you know going going by when this episode was made, 1976, and with his age, he probably played lots mm. of cops, judges, mm, yeah, generals. Yeah. You know, he probably yeah, you know he's yeah. like that guy. You know, he's yeah. like he played the Perry Mason. He's the guy who you know, he's like you know. Uh, ruled on several cases in Perry Mason's favor or something like that. It's just, he has that face to him. Um, and so then uh, he uh, uh, Potter tells uh, Margaret, try and cheer up, which makes her laugh even more. <laughs> she is just, she is just pie eyed again. It's like it's early in the morning and that she's been partying all night. Um, so then we cut to the uh, operating room and uh, the doctors are all discussing what the news could possibly be. Uh, of course, uh, Frank believes that means it's uh, he's getting promoted, uh, and he and all he cares about as he would the, as he would all he cares about in the promotion is that what it'll mean to his bottom line when he gets back because he gets if he gets to basically retire as a colonel uh, that's going to mean more for him I guess uh, and, you know I guess as a doctor he can sort of charge more or something or he gets a better pension or something like that but that is mm-hmm. clearly all that he cares about yeah and. I, I like the line that um, Frank has where he says, can't you read the handwriting in the wind? Like, <laughs> yeah. All of his malapropisms. Yeah. 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 I, unfortunately, I also sympathize with that because I do that to myself all the time, <laughs> but it's, it's hilarious. So it's like, that's a, it's a great showing up. Yes. One uh, 
Frank's incompetence and his self-absorption because yes, that's exactly what he's going to be thinking. Um, and like he mentioned his, his promotion and Hawkeye calls, says from Neanderthal to Cro-Magnon. <laughs> and it's like, but it's the word Cro-Magnon. I almost wondered if that's just another pronunciation for Cro-Magnon or if that's another sly a piece of wordplay. I'm not sure. That kind of. Oh, I never thought of, of it. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. right. Just, I've always heard it as Cro-Magnon, not Cro-Magnon, like it's filet mignon or something. The silent yeah. G. Yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe Hawkeye's just having fun with a fancy pronunciation or something. I love that Frank says, "We all know I'm up for promotion." Like with who? Like wh- where are you <laughs> getting this from? Why would you be up for promotion? Like what are you talking? Like you know, <laughs> doesn't your doesn't your commander have to put that in for you? Colonel Potter is not uh, edgy. He's not, he's not wasting any time putting in a promotion for Burns. So I don't know what the hell he's talking about. Um, Frank always is up for promotion. He never mind. gets it. Yeah. He's always up for, it's like, you know, I'm just, I'm somebody's, somebody's looking out for me. You know, I'm there's somebody who's going to promote me. I've, I've been writing letters to my congressman. So somebody's going <laughs> to just give me a promotion just to shut you up. Maybe that's possible, but yeah, he always has some, he always has some angle. And of course that's, He's all, just his self-absorption. That's the first thing to his mind. So, yeah, but it was a delightful scene. Yeah, um, and in the in the meanwhile too, there's the uh, they they layer this in where Frank is closing his patient a little too fast, and uh, Hawkeye mentions it and says, "You took out a part of a man's intestine without exteriorizing it." And Burns just is basically like, "Yeah, I've learned some shortcuts." And mm-hmm. it's like, no, you can't do that. And of course, he goes to he goes to Potter, and Potter's like, you know, the procedure exteriorize. So it's like we're seeing just how bad of a doctor Frank really is. Right. Oh, and well, the interplay between the two of them too is that Frank says, "I've had no complaints," and Hawkins yeah. says, "Dead men, dead men tell no tales." <laughs> <laughs> oh man, just just kill, killing it in the writing as always, just killing it in the writing. Just a terrible doctor. Uh, mm-hmm. So, and then later on, Hawkeye <laughs> and uh, and BJ are playing a sort of version of golf using an orange, and uh, they try and hit it into a can. It gets crushed by Margaret's Jeep that comes in, and we see that like what a different relationship uh, Margaret has got with them now. She she jumps out of her mm-hmm. jumps out of the Jeep. BJ picks her up, and she's she's like BJ Hawkeye, like she's so happy to see them. And you're kind of like, right. is this Mark, like what happened to the old Margaret? <laughs> like, oh, she's so happy to see them. But it's, of course, she's over, she's, you know, she's, she's overwhelmingly happy with her new news. And of course, you know, mm-hmm. she's enjoying, um, to, you know, like hinting it and, you know, kind of they're like Big Ben best. And she's like, oh, it's the best of all possible news. And uh, as I mentioned, this was directed by Alan Alda. There's a nice little mm-hmm. bit of camera movement in the shot because as they walk with her arm in arm across the compound, into her tent, we see that the camera is has poked through the window to her to, of her door, and so oh, right. mm-hmm. yeah, and we they opened the door yeah, in front yeah. of them. so it was all one long tracking shot. So the camera must have been inside of her tent set, and they walk to it, and then they pulled back as they approached the tent. And again, I've said in numerous episodes, you know, Mash was not a show that directors really had a chance to show off a lot on mm-hmm. because it just you know it's all the same sets and the same kind of drab uniforms but once in a while some director would get kind of you know uh, find mm-hmm. a way to, to dress it up and i thought that was a nice little shot i agree i did notice that myself too it's like this whole thing being feeling one one shot you've seen the one shot happening from from her getting off out of the jeep all the way to the tent and it's like but that just that kind of contiguous thing just really makes you go like and you got to 
you can't break that up into separate takes at all. Yep. So it's just, yeah, that's wonderful. Um, yeah. And I, I also, like you were saying about how friendly Margaret was to the guys. Um, it's like she's giving BJ a more than uh, affectionate hug and then gives Hawkeye one. And it's like, yeah, she deliberately takes BJ's arm for being walked back to her tent. And it's like, man, she is being so uh, friendly with them. It's like, oh, yeah, it, it's the defenses are down. Mm-hmm. And so we can see this is what it, it's a major hint that she doesn't feel threatened by Hawkeye's come ons um, and that, that she that she'll be a little bit more physical with them than she ever would have before. So it's like, you know, it, big clues that what's coming up next. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And, and it's it's nice. It's nice to see them sort of getting along and being mm-hmm. friendly and not being so adversarial. So they go into Margaret's tent and she tells them that she's gotten engaged. And initially Hawkeye and BJ's reaction was, <laughs> and? And then, you yeah. know, they were kind of like, that's really not that big a deal. And she puts the her hand out to look at the ring. And apparently the ring is so small, they don't even notice it. And I got to say, I've watched this episode <laughs> hundreds of times. I still can't see a ring on her hand. Like I literally can't <laughs> see one. So whatever's on there must be a band with almost a nothing stone because they keep making jokes about how small the rock is. Uh, but I mean, I, like I said, right. I literally cannot even see it on Margaret's hand while she's gesticulating. Yeah. I, and I will admit my uh, vision isn't what it used to be. Um, so I did not stand too close to my TV either to just look, but like, no, you never can see it. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what they it. did. The, the prop person worked really hard to get a very small ring. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I love when she says it's a, it's a family heirloom and BJ just goes, must be a small family. <laughs> and she doesn't notice. She's yeah. way too busy looking at the ring to even notice BJ's little uh, ding oh, there. Yeah. Uh, oh, which well, is- and, and they do another one right, right afterwards. It's like, oh, they're rich. They just try not to flaunt it. Yeah. And BJ's reaction is they're succeeding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my gosh. <laughs> So good. Um, now, okay, I will say when Margaret uh, shows Colonel Potter, you do see a band kind of flash on the lights, but nevertheless, you mm-hmm. really could barely see anything. And then, of course, Colonel Potter is also similarly unimpressed because he's struggling right. for things to say. He's like, uh, hmm. Uh, well, and, he, <laughs> he just, and he goes out of his way to put his glasses on, too. Yeah. I love that touch. That touch was wonderful. You know, it's like obviously he looked at it before and then puts the glasses on. Ah, that's better. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, then. All right. Okay. Oh, Harry Morgan. He was just rocking it. Oh, my. oh yeah. Killing it. So Margaret's going on and on about uh, about this man. Viral brought in the shoulder, sleeps on a bare piece of plywood. Back trouble? Not that I noticed. <laughs> and he's a West And how did you notice, Margaret? Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. But we'll get to that in a moment. Yeah. So yes. She shows him his picture. And I love that his fine specimen. I love that. <laughs> That's such a great kind of like weird compliment. And then there's this bit about, oh, who's that? Oh, I think she's a cousin. Oh, close family, which, <laughs> which already, already, right from the very beginning, is already suggesting that Penobscot is not being super honest with Margaret. Because right. obviously mm-hmm. this picture is him with a girl, and they're, they're being physical in a way that other people recognize that can't possibly be a cousin, but Margaret is buying it. So right from the very beginning, we know Penobscot's mm-hmm. maybe not the most honest person in the world. Well, and, you know, looking at who we've had as our primary cast in MASH up till now, um, in, in the first three seasons even, we've had several married men who were sleeping around as, a, as, the, our, as our protagonists even. Yep. So it's like, well, you know, is Margaret even just like 
if, even if she knew, would she be accepting of it? The fact that, well, yeah, she, he might have had to sleep. He might have slept around some, you know, before he met me. Mm. But now that he knows me, it's going to be, it's going to be different. You know, she'll tell her, she might tell her something. I could totally buy that from uh, Margaret's point of view. But also, I think in a couple seasons, we won't buy that. So uh, it's interesting. Yeah, but just a little, little tidbit that we got that we'll see evolve. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, they, you know, she's going on again talking about uh, he's a lieutenant colonel, and she says, "Oh, I, I, uh, I could not love anyone who didn't outrank me," which says a lot about Margaret. Ouch! Um, Ouch. <laughs> and and then Colonel Potter is trying to talk some sense into her, and then he finally says, "Are you sure you're not rushing into this?" And then she lets it slip where she says, uh, "He's very generous. Uh, he re- he offered to pay for that shower curtain, and it wasn't even our fault that it ripped." And then, of course, it dawns on her what she just admitted to. And I love Colonel Potter. Henry, Henry Morgan's reaction is so perfect where he just lets her off the hook and he just says, mm-hmm. nothing new under the sun, Major. I, I, yeah. That's so wonderful that he kind of just is like, don't mm-hmm. worry, it's okay. I'm not judging you. Uh, yep. And I think that's really sweet. And then she kind of collects herself and then goes to talk about the, uh, the, the medical report that she's, that she's got to file. Uh, I just right. think it's great. And then there's the bit about where he says, did you tell Major Burns? I haven't told him yet. And he's tell him over, over a cup of Fino Barb. And then, you know, she, she learns, and I'm not kidding. <laughs> just kind of, like, okay. All right. Now, we, you've talked about this before and I've always agreed that, you know, scenes featuring just Potter and Margaret are always wonderful. The two of them have such a great dynamic and a, a father daughter or just mentor protege relationship that it, you know, it's always heartwarming to see them together and, and even here it's like he's trying to watch out for her yeah you know, just a little bit <laughs> yeah i also liked i also liked it when margaret said that uh donald called her her his little plebe i don't know if you looked up what that was um it's a term for a newly entered cadet or freshman especially at a military academy so that's like what the first year students at like west point would have been called plebes uh-huh. And okay, right. if, if it's anything like the relationship, my wife works at Villa, sorry, blah, 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 blah. my wife works at Virginia Military Institute um, in the, the marketing departments, and she knows the school there. Her dad went to school there. Um, and like the first year students off, uh, always get assigned an upperclassman to watch over them and to help <laughs> them get through their work, get through their, their year. So I would not be surprised if a plebe is also a student that an upperclassman watches gets assigned to watch out for at West Point as well. So that might be part of why the relationship and why he called her that as an affection thing of, you know, like she was a West Point freshman. So it's cute. And also like, hmm, (laughs) at the same time. Makes makes total sense. For what we're going to know about Colonel Penobscot, it makes total sense. Mm -hmm. Um, So now back in the swamp, uh, Frank talks about how his patient is making a speedy recovery, to which Hawkeye responds, well, that's one. Uh, it's just great. Um, so now they start going on about, uh, you know, that uh, Frank is expecting to to uh, meet with Margaret and he starts covering himself in talcum powder, which is just sort of baffling because he's like babes in it, for God's sakes. Um, and they're trying to prepare Frank for what he thinks he's hearing good news. He thinks he's about to hear about mm-hmm. his promotion. Of course, they know the truth. And I, I like this the little detail here is that Hawkeye gives up pretty quickly uh, trying to talk some sense into right. Frank. BJ keeps trying. BJ gives him mm-hmm. more than one opportunity. And that is, you know, kind of 
uh, reflective of the fact that, of course, BJ hasn't spent as much time with Frank. Hawkeye has long given up on birds. He's just getting, you know, he right. just knows. Mm-hmm. But BJ still is kind of trying. And even to the point where Frank, uh, you know, kind of blows him off just as they're leaving the tent, Hawkeye, you know, BJ tries one more time. And mm-hmm. BJ just basically tells him, you know, basically kiss off. And then that's when BJ finally gives up. But it reminds me of the episode last year, season four, the Hey Doc episode, where they try to get Frank to um, sign uh, the medical profile so they can get a microscope. And Hawkeye just immediately loses his temper. And BJ says, kind of chastises Hawkeye and says, you know, antagonizing Frank didn't help at all. And Hawkeye's like, mm-hmm. you know, you haven't dealt with this guy like I have. And so I like, I like that little thing that BJ still willing a little bit to give Burns a mm-hmm. little bit of help, but you know, he's thwarted and it's just, and then they leave the tent right. and that's the end of it. And I think that's just a great detail. I, I totally agree. And I saw that myself. I, it also spoke to BJ's character. I thought in that compared to Trapper, uh, Trapper wouldn't have tried so hard. Even, mm-hmm. even if it was like early in the relationship with Frank, I don't think Trapper would have been the one to do that. But BJ, I could totally see it. And uh, him, he's, he's a married man. And, and he, he has a bit more maturity, I think, in relationships than Hawkeye. Yes. So I, I really could see it as him like, Frank, look, man, just, just stop for a second. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we're, we're trying to give you an I, We're trying to give you a hint of what's going on. Yep. And you're not even trying to listen. So, yep. but I, I can see that totally as, a, as BJ showing a bit more empathy yep. um, and emotional intelligence. So I, I really like, and I've, I've always loved BJ. I mean, yep. there's no doubt. I'm a, I'm, I'm just as big a stand for BJ. As, uh, <laughs> um, now, one thing also about Frank getting ready in the talcum par- powder is that he's clucking like a chicken to some song. A tune, it, yeah. He's doing it to a what, tune. What song, what song is it? I don't know. I can't tell what the song is. Was it, was it maybe the Yellow Rose of Texas? Or, I just have no idea. Or, or, so distracted they, they by the clucking. About, they, yeah, they made a joke about Annie Oakley, but it didn't sound like a song I recognized. But I guess it could have been something from, Aunt, from Annie Get Your Gun. I'm not sure. It, it's, it, now that you say it, it does sound a little Yellow Rose of Texas-y, kind of. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, Yellow Rose of Clock, 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 Clock. But, <laughs> but now the balking... And the powder makes it seem like that he's flowering up a chicken to go into the oven. It's like, what is that? I just, it's amazing. I'm so, if you haven't watched the scene, listeners, recently, go watch it. It's amazing. I'll just it's say an that. insane detail to say Frank clucks like a chick. Like, who would do, why? Why would anybody <laughs> do that? Yeah. Nuts. Absolutely nuts. So uh, then in the mess tent, uh, we see Margaret finishing up her report. Frank shows up at the end, so he shows up late. So not only does Frank not exteriorize, he doesn't even show up for medical meetings on time. Man, Frank is just bad. He's just bad at being everything. I mean, what? Like he literally just walks. Colonel Potter calls this meeting, and he just there's only three doctors outside of Colonel Potter. Mm-hmm. He's going to be noticed that he's missing, and he just he just he just wanders in. Like God, Frank, you're terrible at this. Well, maybe he was waiting for the second shift to arrive. And go so with the doctors of the second shift. Yeah, the ever guy, the doctors that we, that we never, never see. Yeah, that we exactly. never see. <laughs> yeah, he, he, oh, he, he, and but you know, Frank's up for a promotion, though. No, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, can't be on time. Can't be on time for meetings. Doesn't follow procedures, but he's up for promotion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So then, Margaret. <laughs> uh, Margaret points out that a patient from the four seven seventh. Uh, did uh, developed uh, developed peritonitis 
because uh, the mass surgeon did not, uh, uh, per tonight, excuse me, the mass doctor did not exteriorize. And Colonel Potter says, well, which one of us was responsible for that? And of course, we know the answer to that is Burns. And he just goes, well, that's one on me. So on, on top of all the stuff we've already seen, he's not even sorry that he almost killed a patient because he took a sloppy shortcut. Like, God, Frank, you're terrible. I mean, it's just so bad. Well, and see, that's what's, that's what's interesting about this episode, too, is that we know that he's, got a, that, that he's not going to be happy when he hears about what Margaret's news is. But we're getting this whole first half reinforcing why we don't like Frank. Yep. He's a jerk. He's not a good doctor. Uh, you know, he's not uh, even compassionate. Uh, it's like, you know, there's a lot of pain and suffering in war, Frank. Have you noticed that? Oh, sure. But we're doctors. We're trained to ignore people's pain. That's a <laughs> wonderful line and summarizes Frank Byrne as a doctor to a T. <laughs> Just staggering. Just completely Amazing. staggering Amazing. how bad he is. Um, so then Margaret finally drops the bomb on him and they're all preparing for him to go off. And he says, like I said in the summation, he surprises them all where he says, I think it's lovely. And she's like, really? Have I ever lied to you? And he says, congratulations. If you're happy, I'm happy. And they're just like, oh, my God. And then we get to, of course, where he's bottled up inside, where he rips the, ho- the uh, <laughs> mess tent doors off of their hinges and wanders off. And we even see two corpsmen like, out on the compound mm-hmm. notice it and stop in their tracks. They're like, what? what's going on there? And so we know Frank is, uh, you know, he's ready to pop. Uh, so then that's the act break. And then we come back to the show. They uh, they follow up on the whole thing that he is clucking like a chicken all night. And of course, Potter falls up with, well, we could use the eggs. So can't possibly turn that joke down. That was wonderful. Uh, yeah, obviously, he was he was definitely flowering himself up for the kitchen, for the for the for the oven before. Oh, so. uh, yeah. my goodness. Yeah. Well, so uh, they talk about that, uh, you know, they want to watch him. And even Hawkeye says, you know, oh, he's going to we'll, we'll give him the, the kitty scalpel. Radar comes in and talks about that he got penicillin off the black market, which is something that, uh, of course, Frank would normally completely object to. But instead, he says, good work, sol- good work, soldier. You may have saved lives. And he even gives him a little chin punch, like a John Wayne thing. Like, here you go. Yeah. And I love that Raider's <laughs> like, he touched me. <laughs> He's just sort of Do you want to press charges? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then he offers oh. Radar a job uh, back at his, uh, mm. his cousin's pet mortuary back in Indiana. Yeah. I love the callback of this because this happened so soon after the previous scene, minus the commercial break. Because in, that, in the mess tent scene with the, with the medical meeting, um, Burns snaps at Radar that you're in my spot. Yep. <laughs> and Radar is actually eyes. a little, and Radar's a little snarky with him. He actually says, you didn't call dibs. Yeah. This- <laughs> it's like, oh, it's a like, radar's kind of, uh, this is not, this is a little new for me. I don't know if Radar's really been like this a long time. I don't think so. This is a little new for him to be a little snarky with us, with, <laughs> with an officer. But I thought that was, you know, but then we have this counterpoint of like the very next scene we have. It's like, now Frank is being friendly. To all the doctors, I mean, he was, he was like, hey, Balka, hey, Hawkeye, hey, BJ, hey, BJ, what about me, Frank? Oh, hi, Hawkeye. It's like, who is this? <laughs> who is this person? And then, you know, being nice to the guy, he just called four eyes in the previous scene. And it's like, you, you can, this is the dramatic change we're seeing in the character and, and Linville selling it. I mean, he yep. is selling it so well. Yeah. Uh, and you got, you got to figure that Radar is probably feeling a little more comfortable 
being flipped to BJ, B, excuse me, BJ, but being flipped to Burns because Potter's in charge mm. now. And, you know, like in the uh, old days, mm-hmm. Frank would go over Henry's head and get everybody in trouble. Well, that, that, that's not happening anymore. So he's got to feel Very like, true. look, yes. you know, he's got to know Colonel Potter has his back because Colonel Potter knows how awful Frank is. Mm-hmm. It's just terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, uh, you know, we have the, the scene in the OR and Margaret is standing there doing nothing telling people about how sexy Penobscot is. And he, she even talks about his, uh, his cute little behind. And it's like, I'm watching it. And I'm like, Margaret is being thoroughly unprofessional. I mean, yeah, there's gotta be true. something she could be doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. It's, 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 but it's funny. It's just darn funny to see yep. her going. And like, and we, uh, we have a, it's all set up, of course, for what happens later in the same scene. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just, it is kind of dumbfounding that, you know, we have people's lives at, at, at stake here and this is what she's talking about. Yep. And she's not even like talking about it while working, which is what we've seen a lot. They've done this tons. I mean, that Hawkeye and BJ and even Potter, no problem talking about things going on while they're doing surgery. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's just, um, it's just telling that Margaret is so lost in her own world. It's like, yeah, it's okay if you're not, if you don't have your hands on patients right now, Margaret, I think that's okay. We know your head's not in the game. <laughs> that's the only thing I can write it off to. Yeah. Um, so then uh, Frank asks Margaret for help and he snips in, he uh, slips in calling him a uh, Penob snot uh, and she has to correct him. Penob Scott. Oh, okay. Uh, and they're talking a little bit. And then uh, we see that uh, he accidentally supposedly stabs her uh, with his scalpel, uh, which is probably very painful. And then later on back in, uh, in, in the, off in the, uh, you know, kind of post-op Hawkeye is tending mm-hmm. to her wound. And we see that Hawkeye is actually trying to talk some sense into her. And, mm-hmm. you know, she, and she's confused because she's like, wait a minute, since when do you care about Frank Burns? And he's like, well, you know, I don't, uh, but you know, he's, he's also trying to point out that you are just being, horribly insensitive uh, to him. Mm -hmm. And she pleads her case where she's basically like, look, I've been stuck with Frank for a long time. And now I have, she calls him, you know, a hewn oak and, uh, you know, and talks about Mm -hmm. the uh, sausage or whatever it is. She makes all these kind of very, you know, very vaguely sexually in your window phrases about uh about how great oh she calls him adonis why but like why do i have adonis why bother with pinocchio and uh hewn oak why do i need stucco and uh and then she says if i could have uh knockwurst why settle for a cocktail frank so there's just all sorts of little (laughs) sexual innuendo going on here oh yeah well i like hawkeye's the one who specifically says cocktail frank finishing Mm -hmm. the thought for margaret and it's like (laughs) yeah that's that's a nice dig um yeah, this whole, I got to ask you a, a few things about watching this particular part of the episode. When I rewatched it this time and Margaret screams mm-hmm. when she gets cut, the great scream, I jumped. It was amazing scream. And I had, obviously it's been a long time since I watched it. It caught me so off guard. I also wonder if maybe this scene or part of the scene was cut out in syndication. Maybe it wasn't shown as much in reruns. Um, because that, that whole, moment about her you know when she yells i really i just like jumped out of my out of my chair it was that that great Hmm. did did it did it shock you or were you like nope i was ready for it yeah no i was ready for it there there were scenes in this episode that have been cut in syndication but not that one that one i always saw Mm, okay was when he stabs her um they 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 made they made some episodes 
the the cuts were pretty draconian like they were like take whole scenes out or they would cut lines but the the uh, the snips on this one were fairly subtle and they didn't really jump out at me like oh that was a big cut or whatever but i always yeah that scene was always in there when you mm-hmm. know as we know loretta okay. swick can get some serious volume uh, when oh, she screams yeah. i mean she can really rattle the rafters uh when she yeah when she wants to as, as a but it, it's just ruling. the abruptness of it too it was like it was yep. so start so sudden and so startling that it's like man it it was if if you weren't really ready for it like i wasn't it's like man i yeah it my my hair stood up <laughs> and, <she laughs> and i have very short the- hair <laughs> you've all seen my hair there's not that much hair to to do and it was standing straight up she screams in the middle of a sentence, which is nice. It's not like they don't like put a pause yes. when they're like, expecting mm-hmm. like it's like they, they there's this breath and then they do it. She's in the middle of talking when she screams as if it's like it was real. Like, you know, you were talking and then all of a sudden right. jabbed her with the scalpel. So uh, later, Frank visits Margaret back at her tent and he tries to kind of, you know, weasel his way back into her graces and sort of says, well, you know, uh, well, first of all, he goes on this thing about Americana. And this is a moment where mm, we yeah. kind of see what Margaret sees in Frank and that he is, he has this view of America, this very 1950s view of America. Of course, in the time the show takes place, it's really a kind of a 1940s view of America because the fifties really didn't really take a place yet. Right. But he yeah. talks about kids with straight white teeth and freckle faced kids and freshly hewn grass. And we see Margaret gets lost in his reverie a little bit. And, and in that moment we see, that when she landed at the 477th, why she took to Frank is he was probably the only guy in the unit that talked like that. She has mm-hmm. this very romantic view of America. It's a view of America that a lot of people to this day still have. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. it's a kind of very white right. America sort of thing, very suburban kind of thing. And that's something that really appeals to Margaret. And again, in that moment, she we see, oh, yeah, that's why she liked this guy so much. Yeah, the Norman Rockwell America yeah, Norman Rockwell sort yeah. of thing. Yeah, it, it it's coming through there, and it's also a thing where, on the one hand, it's like yes, this is what Frank thinks like and and what he's about. But as we've also seen in last season, he knows the buttons to push on Margaret. He does, yeah, and and likewise, and also on his own wife. You know, like how he managed to get back in her good graces when she found out about Margaret. Um, so it's like, he's not above manipulation and he actually, he's, is that worst kind of weasel and that he knows how to manipulate and knows how to use his weaseliness itself. <laughs> he actually has weaponized his own weaseliness. <laughs> he's like, I'm so pathetic. Can't you take it? Can't you take pity on me because I'm so pathetic. And he, and he uses it. So it's like, just a reminder again of like why we don't like him. Yeah. But then, but then it will turn again in, in, in very shortly for uh to sympathy in a very interesting way so yeah oh well yeah i mean so he he offers to give her a kiss on the nose and she agrees to that and then of course he immediately slips into trying to do more and she fights him off and it descends into an actual fight where she literally slaps him across the face he talks about uh she's like uh penobscot will grind you into soap flakes and he says say grind again which is (laughs) relatively a filthy joke for, for for mash and then at one mm-hmm. point, at one point, Frank even says, "Now we can cheat together," which is right. just ugh, icky as, <laughs> as all get out. And um, there is something I want to say about this this scene in, in particular because across uh, previous episodes of Mash, previous seasons of Mash, there have been scenes where Margaret, specifically, or some other nurses, but specifically Margaret, has had to fend off physical 
physical, uh, uh, I don't know, maybe not use the word assault, advantage, yeah, advances, that's a good word for it. She has had to fend that off in unprofessional uh, circumstances. And right. I always find those scenes, you know, as we were living in, in, in 2022, I find those scenes a little uncomfortable because some of it is played for laughs and that, that part of MASH I don't think has aged super well. And I have always sort of kind of thought, well, I get by it because uh, Margaret is so clearly able to handle herself. Margaret is in no threat at any point by anybody because she's so tough. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes the scenes even remotely palatable. And that's sort of been my, my view of it. I will have to say, uh, not that long ago, uh, I received an email from someone who is a regular listener to the show. I don't want to get into who they are because they didn't specifically say it was okay to use their name. But mm. they, um, they, they mentioned uh, th- that was my, my reaction to these scenes. And this person pointed out that while that is objectively true, women having to even put up with that is demoralizing mm. and depressing. And even though Margaret ha- is, o- is, never in a- is never under any threat at any point, it is mm-hmm. still women have to deal with that. And there are women out there who are not Margaret Houlihan, who don't have the capability to defend themselves the way Margaret can. And so I might have been a little glib about uh, that reaction. And I, and I had an extended conversation with this person who was very, very nice and, and was mm-hmm. not at all uh, coming at it in, in a nasty way. It was just sort of trying to point out to me that clearly as a man, I have a blind spot on this. And I, I, of course I do, because I just, I've never had to have this experience. And so I take this person uh, at their point and I appreciate that they reached out to me to, to sort of point out that, yes, in these scenes, Margaret can always handle herself. And that's what makes it funny because Margaret is so much tougher than the men that she's dealing with. But in, real, in the real world, there are lots of women that have to deal with this bullshit and they don't yes. necessarily mm-hmm. get to slap their way out of the problem. And even if they do, that's still not good either. They should be able to just do their jobs and not worry about that. So, uh, to the uh, anonymous uh, letter writer, I appreciate very much you, first of all, taking the show, uh, my little podcast, as seriously as you, as you do, and mm-hmm. taking the time to point that out to me. And I very much appreciate it because that, that's what I thought of when I watched this scene because Frank just goes way out of control. I mean, Frank is trying to right. assault her at this point. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I got to say that also I'm hats off to your letter writer because I think that that's what we want. We want people who have the real inside perspective on this to speak up. And yeah. I want to hear their point of view. Because, yeah, I'm a white guy. What do I know? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that that's uh, – I'll just take it as the next levels that, um, and, and again, perhaps putting my own foot in my mouth. So I apologize in advance. But if nothing else, we can watch this the episode like this and – while we cannot, we can't, it, it's, we might end up laughing at it, but we also, as long as we also step back and take a look at it in today's eyes and realize that this is a, this is a presentation of what they, of what might've been acceptable then. And it's okay for us to a- acknowledge that this is still bad yep. and we can learn from it and we don't have to just like, and we don't have to hand wave it away. We don't have, we don't have to, there's no reason we can't enjoy the episode and have this part. It's like, yes, this episode, this part was not a good choice then it's not a good choice now um but they just didn't know any better yeah. and uh, i'm and i'm i hope that we've and i hope that we've learned and evolved since then 
I know that that's not necessarily universally true, but at least I'll hope for at least for myself that I've learned and evolved from it. Absolutely. So uh, Margaret calls Frank a coward and we see that that really stings him because he says, coward, Mm -hmm. I'll show you. And of course, you know, she doesn't, she's not even paying attention to what he's saying at that point, but we know that that really got under his skin because in the very next scene, he's dressed like GI Joe with this ridiculous uh, camouflage (laughs) stuff on top of his helmet. He's literally stuck like a shrub on the top of his head and he's got camouflage on his face. Like antlers. He looks like like antlers. He looks looks absolutely ridiculous. (laughs) And he calls himself blood and guts burns. And he like goes, ha, he tries to surprise himself in the mirror. Now I want to ask you, Tim, when you watched Hmm. this episode, uh, did you watch it with the laugh track on or off? Oh, I did. I did leave the laugh track on. I didn't, I didn't bother to turn it off. Is really what it more is. But yeah, I've heard laugh track. Did you notice it's the strangest thing. First of all, the laugh track is, is very distracting once you kind of realize it's there. Like, where are these people mm-hmm. laughing? But there's the strangest thing where Frank pulls the pin on the grenade, look acting like a tough guy, and then he realizes mm-hmm. what he's done. The laugh track changes to like a bunch of people going, oh, yep. like, yes, and it's like, I did notice that. Where are these people? Go- What's happening? Like, what? <laughs> It, it's almost like a married with children. Ooh, yes, you know, when yes. Old, that happened on that show all the time. That's exactly yeah. what it is. It's, 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 it's a- it definitely felt just like that. It's like of the the of it, there's no live audience, but somehow it's the perception of a live the recre- recreation of a live audience going like, oh, he's <laughs> he's bleeped now. Yeah, it's such a strange thing that like someone that you know what the network whoever whoever put this mm-hmm. one together had to sit there and say, all right, let's. Uh, you know, put up a little laughter. Okay, do we have like some surprise and shock and awe? Do we have that? Do we have that on the tape somewhere? Mm-hmm. It's such a and strange little thing. They must have. That's all I can figure is that they yep. absolutely have like various reactions, but they don't usually have to bother with them. But like to, to actually put one in, you know, hats off to them for doing it because that was the right reaction to have, <laughs> not just guffaw laughter. Yeah. That was it's the like, right reaction. Yeah. It's <laughs> like Hawk and B- Hawk, Hawkeye and BJ do not realize they came within a hair's breadth of dying. Of being yeah. blown up in the middle of the night because Burns <laughs> is an idiot playing soldier. Um, so the next morning they notice that Burns is gone, and then uh, uh, you know <laughs> Hawkeye says, "Uh oh," and he says he took his gun and a toothbrush, which they said BJ just completely without missing a beat, shooting his mouth off again. And then Radar shows up and says, "You got to see this." And Burns walks in mm-hmm. with his prisoners, which of course is a Korean family, and even their giant ox. And um, I, I wonder if that's the same ox from the Hawkeye episode from last season where Hawkeye was talking to mm. an ox. I wonder if there's just like one ox that uh, the animal handler had for mash or something. <laughs> it's just the same guy. <laughs> I, I, I totally believe that. And if, and if it's not, I want to believe it. Mm-hmm. And the ox is like, oh, doing mash again. Okay, that's fine. I'm just doing it. Yep. I, I got a day right today of doing it mash. <laughs> so um, they get Radar to, uh, to handle the family. And I love you even hear him talk Korean which is great. Mm. He talks to them increasingly something like, Oh, da, Oh, da. Like he's actually, you know, right. Yeah. Own language, mm-hmm. which is great. Then they go off to Potter's office and, uh, and uh, Frank is pacing back and forth. They said he hasn't slept in 48 hours and he's just, you know, completely nuts. I mean, he's just there and they're, and he's carrying his rifle and he's kind of, his eyes are darting around. And then he really gets mad when they suggest that he's headed on his way to a section eight which of course he cannot tolerate. Mm-hmm. He can't hear such a thing. And then uh, as he, he literally like points his gun at Hawkeye BJ and Colonel Potter. Yeah. I mean, right. It's not good. Yeah. It was a, 
it was a surprising moment. It was very surprising, but it all, but and not and and oddly not a, not shocking in that we already know that he's messed up at this point. Yeah. But it's it's a it, visually it's surprising. It's like wow, that's gotten real. <laughs> and that's a machine gun. Like that's like a that's not right. a not a machine gun, but that's a gun that fires multiple shots if you're mm-hmm. holding the trigger down. So that could do a lot of damage. Uh, mm-hmm. And I love when he hands it off to Radar, who walks in. Radar just almost faints dead away from from having to even hold that thing. He just looks like he can't. He's like, oh. So uh, Frank picks up the phone and he says, you know, mommy, mommy who? Oh, my mommy. Hi, mom. And he completely reverts back to being like mm-hmm. a 12-year-old. And we hear him. Uh, and we find out, of course, that Hawkeye, BJ, and Radar, and Potter are listening on the other phone. And then this this is the scene that I say is Frank Burns's I think, finest moment on the show where he talks mm-hmm. to his mother and he says, well, you know, nobody likes me here, you know, as usual. I don't want to talk mm-hmm. about it. And that is – and then he says, well, you see, I had this friend. And he says, this friend, well, just pretended to like me, you know, like the way dad used to, which is mm-hmm. absolutely – devastating i mean it is that is such a devastating thing for a son to say about his father and the fact that burns knows that and it you know i don't know about how much sympathy i have for people who have had rough upbringings and then choose to be awful people because it's like that old that old saw about the two brothers and the you know one one's an alcoholic and the other one isn't and it's like why do you drink because dad used to. Why don't you drink? Because dad used to. And it all, you know, it all depends on yes. do you, do you mm-hmm. want to inflict the pain on others that you suffered in life? At the same time, how can you not feel sorry for someone who knows that his own father only pretended to like him? It's just, it's all, and it's such an insight into Frank's character that we will kind of never really get again. Right. It's the biggest insight we've had since him saying, you know, dad used to punch us in the throat. If you oh, remember God, that from yeah. a few episodes, seasons yep. back. So it's the, it's a, just as big of a gut punch emotionally about who Frank is and how he got to be how he is. And yeah, you're, uh, you know, just so you know, yes, this one scene is definitely the scene I think of for Frank Burns in general and this episode, you know, immediately. So, and this is a big part of why it was on my list was this one scene alone. Yep. Um, you know, she was just pretend to like me the way that, you know, like dad used to. So it's like, uh, you, it's you, awful. you don't, of, of all the things when, no matter how Weasley Frank is, when you know this about him, you might not still like him, but you're not going to look at him the same way again. Yes. Yeah, totally. Totally. And, and again, and- this is, this is Larry Linville just knocking it out of the park. Yeah, he's marvelous in the scene because it's it's pathetic, mm-hmm. but sad. But also, you do you know it's pathetic and kind of like you know you you're, I, I know you I feel sorry for Frank, but I'm not pitying him. It's just like oh mm-hmm. no wonder this poor guy can't doesn't know how to interrelate with people because he's been you know what was his upbringing? As you he, mentioned, he got so, punched in the so throat. Vulnerable. Like what? Yeah, he's you know? so vulnerable in this moment. Yeah, you know we're we're actually like seeing. It, it's like we're actually seeing him with his barriers down of who he really is. Yep. Um, and I like the fact that the rest of the, of the doctors and radar are listening in on the phone in the other room, which actually is a callback all the way to the beginning of the episode 
when Margaret won't tell <laughs> yeah, Pearl Potter right. the news because the phone has ears. Because she knows radar is listening in. That's right. And sure enough, Colonel Potter says, oh, and on the phone to Margaret, oh, and radar, bring some sugar. The talk's a little bitter today. And there's, <laughs> oh, oh, right away, sir. It's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like I, that that's also a, amazing symmetri- symmetry touch from the beginning and the end of, the ep- of this episode yeah. uh, you know, Chekhov's phone I don't know yeah <laughs> it's great and it's and it's staged well again by by Alan Alda that we see the four actors listening all crouched around the receiver and you know radar's mm-hmm. in the foreground sort of and BJ's up in the background and it's 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 really composed well that we can see all four actors clearly and you know we can know that they're all listening in and again the sense of radar is not even totally really hearing it uh it's right. really the other three but he understands what's going on and he even says sometimes the guy's got to talk to his mom and then we see mm-hmm. frank frank passes out he falls asleep because he's again he's been up and hawkeye and bj cart him off to the to the swamp and it's interesting because i feel like if they had wanted to develop frank in the rest of the season after this they could have they could have gone that down that road they chose right. not to. They chose to kind of just make Frank back into kind of a clown. And that would lead to him, of course, leaving the show at the end of the season. But this moment, I feel like, pointed the way of developing Frank if they had wanted to do that. Yeah, I, co- I completely agree. Uh, and we, we see that also in like, the closing scene as well, that, they, that they, had, they, had some, they had some meat there. But they just went in a different direction. Yep. Um, almost back went went to more like system reset yeah yeah. minus his relationship with margaret yes yeah yeah right it's kind of like a you know a one and done comic book story where all the characters have to reset back to where Mm -hmm. they were at the beginning so we get to this final scene and by the way this is the scene this scene was always cut in syndication for me the episode always Mm, just ended uh with them carting frank off so instead of making a Mm -hmm. bunch of smaller cuts and sort of uh, screwing with any given scene, they just lopped off this end scene. So this, I never saw this oh. until I got the DVDs. Mm-hmm. Um, which is good. It's kind of a nice scene because we get to see Frank and uh, Frank and BJ and Hawkeye kind of being buddies. They feel bad for Frank because Margaret's right. going on mm-hmm. and on, and she's talking about that the Penobscot has a tank tattoo on his bicep, and the tank gets bigger when he flexes flexes <laughs> his muscles. Yada yada yada. And you know, and then so so uh, I love that when Frank says. Uh, I was thinking we could go out on a double date, going out on a date tonight. And Hawkeye's like, well, I don't know, Frank, this is so sudden. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, we see that there's a little redhead that he's had his eye on. And Margaret kind of walks right into it with the whole, isn't she a little young for you? And he says, says, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I thought, uh, you know, youth would be fun for a change. And I I love that even that's a shot that even Hawkeye and BJ wouldn't take. And they're both just like. Oh, <laughs> Hawkeye! Hawkeye turns his head and covers his covers it with his hand. Like I don't want to get caught by the shrapnel from this one. <laughs> it's like that is a you know to to use a pun a sick burn. I'm sorry, <laughs> that's a sick burns. That's a yes, sick burns. You, what he you got did. it. There you go. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, oh my man. goodness. And yeah. Then, that, it, oh. Man. Go ahead. You go ahead. No, and then and then Frank just doesn't fouls up, but I really got her on that one. And it ends with the three of them laughing mm-hmm. together, which is like you would hardly mm-hmm. ever see that in any other MASH episode. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. It's a fantastic button for it. It's a, such a shame that it's cut in syndication because yep. I think that it um it also kind of even though we're gonna get the factory reset in the next episode, it does give a hint that Frank 
might be get, might be okay. Mm-hmm. You know that he that he's actually come to acceptance. Now his accept his way his mode of acceptance is let Margaret know you're being a jerk, <laughs> <laughs> and we can too can play this game, shall we say? Yeah. Um, so I do like that. But uh, now also I want to um, ask you a question about about the structure of this episode, and one of the things that we don't see in it, and do you think we should have? Um, one thing we really don't get is the two of them getting closure on their relationship. They don't actually talk about it. No. Margaret don't. is I just moved on. She's like, I'm engaged. And, and you know, I, I will give her props for the fact that, no, she's not going to keep fooling around with Frank because to her, the engagement is a solemn vow, just like her vow to the military and to America. And so, of course, she can't, she can't break that. Now, she doesn't mind that Frank was breaking his vow, but, you know, did was is the real problem that Frank did not get closure on their relationship and Margaret wasn't even acknowledging that there was a relationship to have closure on. It's interesting. Cause yeah, that, that is true. Like she does, they never really end their relationship. She just comes back from Tokyo is like, I'm engaged. And you have to kind of put that together yourself that, well, clearly they were never really going to be together because Frank's married and he's had numerous mm-hmm. chances to dump Louise and he's never going to. And she knows that, but yeah, it, they never really, it's like, it's almost like it's used modern parlance. It's like she ghosts him, you know, like right. she just, yes. she just mm-hmm. all of a sudden just is like, Oh no, we're not in a relationship anymore. And it's like, we're not, you know, like what, yeah, did Frank right. know that. So yeah, it's, it's a strange, we don't get that scene, but again, they probably just, I think they just didn't have the time to get into it. I mean, that scene in right. her tent is a little bit of that, but yeah, she kind of just, she doesn't, it, the relationship just stops. It doesn't end. Right. And that, that's, which I think is, is interesting because maybe if they had had that scene, we couldn't have had the, the episode play out the way it did too. Yep. But it's just an interesting thing from, in terms of the characters is that um, I just, I just, it, it was a thought that came to me is that, is that, that does explain why Frank is so, you know, over the top in his reaction to this, ep- to this news. And also kind of like, you know, when we think about the characters, does he deserve that closure? Considering that, yes, he has kind of been stringing Margaret along yep. all the time. And we've seen that repeatedly in the, in the previous season. So it's like, you know, I, I'm wondering what, if you think, does Frank even deserve the closure on it? Is that, cause that's what Margaret pretty much without consciously deciding it, that's where she's gone. She's gone to, I don't know. I'm not going to bother with this relationship's done, but now, does he deserve closure for what they've had together it's, it's interesting i mean it's like does do, does he does does she deserve does he deserve it i don't know because as we know they were never going to be together but it does seem mm-hmm. a little harsh that she does this without him knowing and the fact that she tells him last on top of it mm-hmm. you would think that would be the first thing you would the minute you got there you would take him aside and say hey frank but yeah she is kind of the f- and the fact that she tells him in public in front of everybody is a little harsh mm-hmm. too. But they, they, you know, that's kind of what they're suggesting that Margaret right now in her joy is just trampling over people's feelings. Uh, right. She's just doing mm-hmm. that and she's not thinking about it. And that's why Hawkeye gets his minor revenge by putting the, the, uh, the, like the absorbing junior or whatever the hell he puts on or the alcohol <laughs> on her finger. And without really prepping her, it, it burns her because right. he's, mm-hmm. he's just kind of like, he's trying to shock her into out of her, uh, you know, out of her rose-colored glasses uh, scenario that mm-hmm. she's going through at the moment. 
yeah, it's it's just it was just an interesting thought that I had go that I just couldn't let go a little bit of just wondering about that perspective on it. But yeah, well, you know, and it's, it's funny about the whole talking in public too is that it's a public secret that they've had a relationship all yep. along. Everybody knows it, but it they're not. But they're in that's their public face is that they're no, they're not. That there's nothing between the two of them besides being professionals and colleagues. Yep. So it's like why again? Why should I be worried about you about saying this in public? We don't have anything, do we? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's so it's it's, it's it all kind of it it tracks, but also there's like but also it's just a, new, a different wrinkle on the emotional journey that Frank goes through in this episode. Yeah, it's a marvelous show. It's a marvelous episode. I mean, oh, it's, just, yeah. it's great for Margaret. Great for Frank. A bunch of great jokes. Uh, just overall, you know, another mm-hmm. absolute winner uh, for season five. So it makes season five so good. It's just they, they were just burning on all thrusters. And, you know, the first episode of the season, Bug Out, is like an action show. It's all about the drama, mm-hmm. medical, and this is a character piece. You know, this is all, I mean, there's no guest actors in this one outside of uh, Mr. <laughs> General Tumwater. But there's no, you know, I mean, they don't, they don't meet anybody. They don't, they, there's no big... Uh, there's no big action beat or, or medical piece that they really have to handle. It's all just a character piece. And so it's a nice change right. up from, from bug out, which is again, a great episode, but it's, it's nice to, to sort of shift it and uh, do this sort of smaller story. And again, like I said, it, I think it's uh, one of Frank, it's Frank Burns' finest moment. Uh, and that, uh, that says something. Anytime a character has a finest moment, uh, that's a good episode. So, uh, you know, good job, uh, everybody on, on this show. So Tim, uh, do you have a particular favorite joke or line from this episode? Oh, that's tough. Because <laughs> the well, you know, Frank's bit at the end is so melancholy. It's it, you know, it sticks with you forever. Um, it's hard to call it a favorite, though. You know, mm. it's it, it's it's almost it's almost too too uh, too raw, right? Mm. It's almost too raw of a moment. But you know, I did like. Um, well, it's like I also I, I did some of the we talked about so many of the lines that I liked so much. Um, oh, well, in the wordplay that we had going on is uh, in the OR when Margaret is talking about Donald and Hawkeye says, do you have to keep babbling about your tin soldier? And Frank says, oh, let her babble, Pierce. And Hawkeye says, I will brook no babbling. <laughs> oh, just, the word the wordplay of the writers is always great. So that, always- that, that one jumps out of me. Yeah, Hawkeye's always enjoying himself getting to do that. Uh, you know, uh-huh. he's always yeah. Uh, my favorite line is actually not even a line. It's a it's just a look, and you have to watch the mm. episode to see it. It's that scene where Frank is patting himself with the talc and starts clucking like a chicken, and then we cut to <laughs> Hawkeye and BJ looking at each other, and they both have this look of like, "Can you believe this is happening?" And you see BJ just start to laugh, and they there's no line. It's just the two of them. Yes. It's like your buddy look at each other going, what the hell are we looking at? And I just, <laughs> it's such a genuine moment of these two friends of like, can you believe we room with this guy? And I just love it. I just, it looks so genuine and it looks like Alan Alda and Mike Farrell are genuinely laughing. Uh, and that makes them good actors. Cause I'm sure it was written in the script, but I just, mm-hmm. I, I laugh at that every time when I just see them, like their, their eyes get wide of like, I don't believe this is happening. Is he? And we see like the cloud of talc kind of in the corner of the frame. It's just insane. <laughs> buck, 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 buck. It's, what the it, hell? It is, it is very, it is so good. That is so a, such a good I moment. I love it. So, well, Tim, thank you so much for coming back to MASHCAST, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, it's, it, was a, it was a lot of fun. Why don't you tell people where they can find you out on the internet? 
Oh, thank you. Well, and I had a ton of fun too being here because you've, you've managed to give me great episodes each time. So I'll, your check is in the mail. Um, <laughs> thank you. Uh, you just send it via find... PayPal, Tim. You don't have to mail me a oh. check or anything. I mean, come on. I don't. I don't do this newfangled stuff. You oh, know, that's okay. Too, that's, mm-hmm. that's too. That's too difficult. I don't. You know. Like, if I if I I got I have all these stamps sitting upstairs. They're just waiting to be used. I don't you know what to do with them. Okay. Yeah, I use them somehow. Um, <laughs> but yes, people can find me on some shows on the Right On Network. Um, I'm on the Batgirl Cassandra Kane podcast with Ashford Wright, where we talk about the comic books featuring Batgirl Cassandra Kane. And especially right now, the new series coming out called Batgirls, we've been covering that um, and then some older issues in between those episodes. So that's been a lot of fun. Um, and then there's my show, The Outcasters of Batman and The Outsiders podcast, where I had a certain guest on in December. And that was a fantastic episode. Um, mm. it, it, it was with Rob, people. It was with Rob. Uh, <laughs> it was so good. We had a great time. Um, and we're getting back on the bandwagon. We're going to keep keep on rolling through more episodes in 2022. Um, you can find me there. Both are on the Right On Network. If you search your podcatchers for Right with a W on Network, um, you should find our stuff, and it's good. So come on out and see our listen all that stuff. I think the words are good. Words good. <laughs> words good. Words good. Outsiders good. Uh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I had a blast uh, talking Batman and the Outsiders uh, in December. It's a great issue. It's a great series, uh, both comic book and podcast. So check it out, everybody. So oh, uh, thank of, you. Yeah, no problem at all. So, of course, uh, we're always talking Mash. We're on Twitter at Mash477Cast. You can find back episodes of the show on our website, finewaterpodcast.com. You can subscribe to MASHCast on any podcatcher of your choice. And then finally, if you want to support the Fine Water Podcast Network, just go to patreon.com slash fwpodcast. There you can unlock various rewards, one of which is to be name checked on the show of your choice. So big thanks to Daniel Ulrich, Nicholas Prom, Russell Burbage, Stan Peel, Britt Schramm, Mike Thomas, Michael Porter, and Joe Perino for their support of MASHCast. I very much appreciate it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We will see you next week. But until then, that is all. This old cowboy ain't gonna be lonesome tonight. Buck, 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 buck.